This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephan Cox. This week, Senator Patty Murray. She now ranks number three in leadership in the Senate, and she joins us for a wide-ranging town hall discussion, touching on everything from Trump's acquittal to the state of the GOP, and especially her essential work in the pandemic recovery as the new chair of the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. This was recorded live at noon on Thursday, February 18th. Senator Murray, on behalf of Indivisible members all across the state, I just want to say thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm doing great. And before I say anything else, I saw your kudos board and oh, you made my whole day. I'm going to share it with my family. It'll mean so much to all of them. And I just so appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it was from absolutely from the heart. And uh, you mean a lot to us. And I, I hope that you know that. And uh, one testament is the number of questions that we got when we found out that you were going to be on today. We were bombarded. Questions about the pandemic, the stimulus package, your plans for the help committee. So much is going on. I would like to start by talking about something unique, which is that this is, I believe, the third Democratic trifecta that you've seen since you've been in the Senate. And this has a lot of people wondering, what lessons do you think Democrats have learned since the Obama trifecta in 2009, specifically in working with the GOP? It's always, it doesn't matter whether you're in the majority, the minority, 50-50, whether you have a Republican president or not, you speak from your heart with passion and speak out for the people you represent. And when you do that, you bring others with you. Do you win all the time? No, this is a democracy. You know, we we talk about issues, we work on issues, we try and move forward uh, in whatever way we can. But certainly now with the Democratic administration, two friends of mine, John Kamala, who I've worked with for a long time, uh, and a Democratic House and a, and a Senate that has 50-50 with Kamala presiding over tie-breaking votes, um, we have an opportunity to really set the agenda, talk about the issues that are important to people, and really get our hands around making sure we move our country forward in a better way. I will just say uh, you were breaking up a little bit there. Uh, you came through for the last part. Um, and if this persists, we may ask you to maybe shut off your video. I would hate to do that. And so we hope we don't have to go there. Um, I will just say we got a number of questions about the GOP in regard to Trump's acquittal and the insurrection. And first and foremost, we want to say how relieved and grateful we are for your safety uh, and for everything that you went through. It was just harrowing. Um, a lot of people would like to see accountability for the members of the House and Senate who may have instigated or even encouraged this insurrection. And I'll ask you, as a leader in the Senate, what are your thoughts here? Well, I was disappointed in the outcome of the trial. I think it's so important that we hold everyone accountable to this insurrection that really was a group of people inspired by the President of the United States and some of his top people to take over our country, our democracy, by brute force rather than by using words. And as I said a minute ago, a democracy is where you use your words, your vote, your voice to get things done. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but you use your words. You do not use brute force. That's what happens in third world countries. That is what President Trump tried to do in our country. So we have got to speak out against this. Um, And obviously we didn't have the votes to impeach him, um, but we do need to move forward. Uh, um, House Speaker Pelosi has talked about and is putting in place 
a commission to look at all the events surrounding that. We need to know what happened. We need to hold everybody accountable. The Justice Department is pursuing a number of investigations uh, that they need to continue and we need to support. Um, and we need to hold members of Congress accountable who participated in this. I mean, I have spoken out very loudly against Ted Cruz and Holly uh, for their part in this. And there's now a Senate ethics investigation on that. And I think we have to step back and ask what led to this? What, what are the underlying causes, the information disinformation that we are all subject to do today to the incredible lies that this past president Trump put forward that too many people believed in and were willing to arm themselves and go to the Capitol to fight for. Um, we need to talk about white supremacy and violent hate groups. And we need to have a very honest conversation with ourselves in this country about what we want to be in the future. And integral to that is the Republican Party asking themselves that question and asking who they want to be and what they want to fight for in the future. It is a, a, an, an integral question right now. And I think very much an open question. And, and it does beg a larger you know, set of questions about the GOP. We know that 70 percent of rank and file Republicans still believe the big lie that the election was stolen. And uh, most members of Congress refuse to say otherwise. I'll just ask you bluntly, are you concerned about the state of the GOP as a governing partner right now? Well, I am. As all of you know, some of the most indelible things we have done in the past are done in a bipartisan way. When I worked with Paul Ryan and we did a budget agreement at a time when all of government was shut down. Uh, when I worked with Lamar Alexander to pass the replacement of No Child Left Behind, a bill that wasn't working for K-12 education. Um, I worked with Senator Ted Kennedy when I first came into Congress to pass the first family leave law that passed with Republican votes. Enduring policies take working with the other party in order to get them done. Otherwise, they're just overturned at every election. Um, so you need people from both sides to be willing partners in that conversation. And I am deeply concerned that the Republican Party has moved further and further away and placed their who they are in one man's very loud voice who expresses a lot of disinformation and has a large following and is backed up by a lot of media. So, you know, the, the, again, as I said, the Republican Party needs to look at themselves and say, are we a party of a democracy or are we a party of Trump? And that is, that's the question. That's the $64,000 question. Um, and I want to shift over and talk about President Biden's work on the $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus package. Um, it's my understanding uh, that you just did an event with Vice President Harris and women leaders to highlight priorities in the rescue plan that would specifically help women recover from the pandemic. Uh, we've heard about the terrible uh, jobless numbers for women right now. What is being proposed? Well, thank you for asking that. I mean, the people who have really borne the brunt of this pandemic and the economic fallout are women and particularly women of color. We know now that 3 million women have stepped out of the workforce right now. No surprise to any of us watching this. It's impossible to go to work, teach your kids at home, manage the stress of a pandemic and be able to survive. But that is a tragic thing for our economy, for our families, for our communities, for our country. Not just what, what are the priorities that we have to make sure women can be stable? in all of the aspects that they have to do. And that's why 
The COVID package we're looking at is so important. First of all, vaccines and vaccine distribution. I probably don't have to tell any of you why that's so important and what some of the chaos that has been inherited needs to be fixed. But getting our kids back in school. And I am deeply concerned that the longer our kids stay out of school, uh, the more inequitable you will have in your education when they do return to school. I told a friend of mine, I'd hate to be a third grade teacher and have kids come back. Some have done really well. Some have done not good at all. Some have access to the internet. Some have family support. Some don't. Getting your kids back to a place where you can move them all forward together is going to be challenging. So getting our kids back into school, and that means from the federal government, the resources to do the things we know we need to do. Ventilation, PPE, testing, vaccines where we can. Um, all of these things are not free or cheap, and we can't do this on the cheap. So the federal level providing that. A critical part of it for women is childcare. We, we had a childcare crisis in our country before this pandemic ever started, and boy, it ripped it wide open. Providers could no longer afford to stay in the business, so we've lost a large number of our providers. Providers themselves are largely women, often of low income, and they have been bearing the brunt of this pandemic. So if we want people to go back to work and get their kids in school, we have to deal with childcare. This COVID package does incredible progress with that and making sure we have tax credits for families, for children, so we can lift our kids out of poverty and give them the support they need. So this, this COVID package is critically important for everyone, but women who have borne the brunt across the country, and especially again, women of color, um, this relief package is especially important to them as we try to lift people up so we can survive what we have to in the, in the following months as we get through this pandemic, but also to return to a place, I think Vice President Harris said it this morning, and I just, I want to just encapsulate it for everybody. She said, everybody wants to return to normal. Absolutely. We want to hug our grandkids again. We want to get our kids in school. We want to go to work just to be normal, but normal is not good enough. This pandemic has shown us clearly and visibly the problems in our society before this pandemic hit on healthcare, on education, on childcare, on paid family leave. And we need to make it better than what we had normally before if we wanna survive the next pandemic. Here, here. And I know that this is all work that you were doing as part of the HELP Committee. Uh, and in fact, your committee is going to be key in virtually every aspect of the recovery, health, education, labor, pensions. You touched on education, getting kids back to uh, in-person learning. Uh, you also are talking about confronting the inequities that have been revealed by the pandemic, also inequities uh, laid bare by access to health care, uh, certainly family leave. And uh, we know just how important this is to the recovery and I would like to shift over next and talk about some of Indivisible's legislative priorities, because I think there's a lot of overlap uh, there. You are a co-sponsor of Senate Bill 51, which would grant uh, statehood to D.C. Uh, a number of constituents would like to thank you for that. Uh, I'll ask you, how do you see its chances? Well, I, you know, I think obviously for anybody in D.C., they should understand this. Um, but I think obviously uh, as a country, if we are going to say our votes and our voices are what keep this democracy moving forward, making sure that every citizen has a vote 
and a voice is important. And uh, DC statehood is a critical part of that. Uh, uh, we are, you know, we just got the majority in the president a few weeks ago. Everybody's got a lot of priorities from COVID on, but that is certainly one we are talking about how we can make sure that uh, in, in this time we can move forward on that critical issue. There is also a, a movement afoot for Puerto Rico statehood. Do you have thoughts on that? Yes, I, I do. I mean, Puerto Rico has referendums, and if they say they want to uh, become voiced citizens in our country, we should allow that opportunity. Great. Uh, I think the bulk of the questions that we got for you had to do with the People's Act, H.R. 1. This would expand voting rights, uh, change campaign finance laws, limit gerrymandering, so much more. As you know, there is a companion bill in the Senate, uh, S. 1. And I think people are very, very worried because they see GOP state legislatures already moving to restrict voting rights, gerrymandered districts. Uh, Republicans are projecting that they might be able to win in 2022 just through gerrymandering alone. I guess I'll just ask you, how do you see the stakes of this moment for Democrats and, and, and really for democracy? It's, it's huge, uh, bigger than I can remember in my lifetime. Um, because what we saw the insurrection in the Capitol was again, people using brute force rather than votes. And it's come from a movement who knows they don't have the majority. So in order to win, they're doing everything they can to suppress votes using brute force. Uh, and other means that that won't allow a democracy to, th to thrive. And so the Voting Rights Act um, is absolutely critical to moving forward. We have to have our eye on the ball. In the last election, a major effort um, was enacted in Georgia and other states to make sure that people got out to vote, they knew how to vote, that they were not uh, told that the voting place was somewhere different, but it was a huge people effort. Uh, and we have to keep that up and we have to use our voices to remind people what a democracy is. And the best way you can do that is say, what do you want for your country? Do you want an insurrection in the Capitol where people brutally uh, hurt hundreds of police officers and staff and senators and members of Congress were you know, really put in horrendous uh, life-threatening situations? Is that what we want our country to look like? We would all say, no, I'm assuming we do not look like, want to look like a banana republic, and in fact, as a country who has espoused democracy worldwide and sent members of Congress to other countries to ensure that they have democratic elections, we need to start at home. And we need to voice this as one of our number one uh, areas that we all have to focus on. Don't let them win and don't think they're going away from this. They didn't have an insurrection at the Capitol and say, oh gosh, we lost. They walked away saying they won. They were jubilant and they went home and they're going to continue. And so a lot of what you're talking about, uh, I hear you talking about is uh, people power, activism, uh, also work at the state level. You talk about, uh, uh, you know, work done in Georgia. Um, but bills like H.R. 1, D.C. statehood, uh, a lot of the things that you spoke about with the health committee, um, all of this legislation is likely going to get shut down in the Senate because it would require at least 10 GOP votes. And we know from the acquittal that that's just probably not going to be on the table. So I want to talk to you about the filibuster. In October with the Seattle Times, you said that you would not rule out getting rid of the filibuster if the Democratic uh, Democrats won back the majority. I wonder what your thinking is now. Well, you know, I, I've always said that the best legislation is done when you work with people of both parties. Because when you both own something, it's much more durable, 
long lasting and effective for more people. Uh, and again, I gave you some examples previously. And But I think we all are frustrated right now with the progress we've seen with actually, I should say, the blocking of what's important and critically the unwillingness of Republican legislators to listen and be a part of. You can't um, have a compromise unless somebody participates. So I will tell you the one thing on the side is I have more and more Republican senators saying to me, you know, I don't, I don't like where we're going. I want to work with you as a help chairman. Uh, they want to work with us. They want to find common areas of ground. I am delighted to hear that. But I think we have to see where we go here. And if it's the Mitch McConnell block everything, we just want to show that we can uh, use um, our blocking to get anything done. Then I think we all have to reconsider how we get things done. I mean, you, you talk about people getting frustrated and leaving. We know that uh, Senator Rob Portman is doing it for, for those very reasons. Um, I, I'll put a hypothetical to you. Uh, some observers feel that it might be possible to pass more bipartisan legislation, like, say, for example, Mitt Romney's child allowance proposal, which I believe you support, if it's just a simple majority. How, how do you see that? I think it's hard to tell right now with the with some of the senators, some of the Republican Party who right now figure that their only role is to say no, block things, except for conservative judges. It's a matter of getting people who are willing to work and be a part of that. Paul Ryan and I were completely different members of Congress, but we both didn't want our country to fail. And if we find more people on the Republican side who are willing to work with us, I think that's the best way to get things done. But we'll see, we'll see. the. Re Basically, the Republican Party has to decide who they are right now. And I don't think they know. And there are members of the Republican Party who are saying, we don't want to be that party anymore. We are a grand old party who does believe in finding solutions. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm willing to work with them and see if we can get someplace with them. Uh, if not, if they all decide it's Trump's way or the highway and that's who the Republican Party is, I will tell you right now, it's not going to work and we're going to have to move forward with whatever way we can. That kind of begs my next question, which is, you know, and this is actually a practical question besides an opinion question. If we don't manage to get rid of the filibuster somehow beyond executive orders, beyond budget reconciliation, how do we get a Democratic legislative agenda enacted and, and, and really produce the kinds of wins that we'll be able to point to in 2022 and 2024? Well, one of the issues I hear about from people all the time is the child care crisis in this country. I've already started talking with a number of Republicans about what it is they need, because it isn't just Democrats who need child care. In fact, we now have chambers of commerce who recognize that this is an issue and they have an influence in the Republican Party. So how can we structure this in a way that tells that you can say to your constituents, you're moving forward in the right direction. And they're beginning to have those conversations. I don't have an answer yet, but that's how you move forward in a bipartisan way. If that doesn't work, then we'll look at other ways to get it done. Okay. I want to shift over to some specific audience questions. Uh, Pat Foster, and we have uh, four minutes left, and so I'm hoping that we can get through uh, these uh, as, as, as quickly as possible without, uh, without inconveniencing you in any way. Uh, Pat uh, Foster asks about the $15 minimum wage. This is something I know you've been a champion of for a long time, uh, going back to at least 2017 with Bernie Sanders, Congresswoman Jayapal. Uh, he asks about the chance of getting it passed as part of the COVID relief bill, or should it be postponed and tried to be passed through a separate bill? How do you see it getting through? 
We are trying to get it done through the COVID bill. In order to get the COVID bill passed, we're, we are using a very difficult, challenging budget process that has some strict requirements in it. We are trying to get it accepted part by the parliamentarians as part of that process um, under the rules. I don't know the answer yet or not, but we are working very hard to do that, which means we will only need 50 votes to get it done. That doesn't mean we have all those 50 votes, but it means we have a much, much better chance. So that is clearly where Bernie Sanders and I are working very hard to get that done. Um, and if we can't get it done that way, then we are going to regroup and keep working. And one of the ways we have to do that is to bring more people with us. We need to broaden our economic um, impacts of raising the minimum wage. And one of the ways we do that is talk about equity in this country. And I'll tell you, COVID has shown the inequities in our economy um, and across the board in this country. And we need to have facts on our side and we need to make those arguments and continue to grow our support. I'm doing that, Bernie's doing that, we're all doing that, but we're trying to get it done first in the COVID package in the next few weeks. Couldn't agree more on all the points that you just made. We had several questions about uh, the Snake River, particularly, and this comes from Diane Young of East Wenatchee. She asks, do you support Representative Mike Simpson's proposal to remove the four dams on the lower Snake River to try to save the Chinook salmon from being uh, driven extinct? She also says she's a big fan of yours since you first doorbelled her in uh, 1988. <laughs> Aww. Well, See, people power. Um, <laughs> Uh, Representative Simpson put out an interesting proposal that actually recognizes the importance of the Snake River to our region and really attempts to balance the needs and concerns of all of the stakeholders who are impacted and the communities that are impacted. This is an incredibly complex issue and my priority is to carefully review that proposal and hear from all the communities that are impacted in the Columbia River Basin and beyond about how we can restore the Northwest's iconic salmon runs uh, using the best available silence. Two more questions and then we'll let you go. Uh, and this is an important one. Uh, Lori asks, I want to know how we can uh, work to get migrant children reintroduced to their families. And I believe that we should offer their families a path to citizenship in the United States as part of our reunification. I still don't sleep at night because of the kids in cages at our borders. You're in good company, uh, Lori. What, what are your thoughts here, Senator? Well, Lori is in good, good company, and I went to the southern border um, to see exactly what was happening with children, and, and it's it's heartbreaking. The first thing we needed to do was um, put in a new president, which we have done. Thank you very much. And President Biden is now looking at what he can do from an administrative standpoint very quickly to make sure we reunify those children that should never have been taken away from their parents. And I think, as you all know, um, President Biden, along with um, several other senators who are leading the effort, put out a new immigration proposal this, this morning, I believe it was. Um, and as that begins to work its way through and we have broader conversations, children will always be a part of what I talk about. One last question. Uh, Samishka asks, are you planning for running for re-election? And if so, how can I as a high school student get involved? I thought it would be... Uh, I thought it would be a good thing to see uh, everybody who is watching right now. Uh, let's see a show of hands. How many people would help out if Senator Murray were to run again? Let's see a show of hands. Uh, it, it's This is incredible. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're getting unanimous okay. support. <laughs> then my there. answer is yes, of course. <laughs> like, I, you yes. know, I, as incredibly challenging as this job is, I've been given an opportunity 
to speak for so many people in our state and to try and help solve so many problems. And this time, um, as incredibly challenging as it with a pandemic and an economic downturn and the racial disparity that we are seeing, um, it is now more important than ever um, that we uh, speak up, all of us work on campaigns and help elect people um, not just myself, obviously, people who are willing to do this job. It is challenging right now, but you know our voices are important. Washington State is important. The policies we work on are important. I just want this country to be a better place for my grandkids. I'm sure it's an enormously frustrating job. And in fact, somebody had a question about that later, but that'll have to keep until next time. I would just say this has been so wonderful. Um, there were, as I say, so many questions that we were unable to get to today. Uh, can we count on you to come uh, meet with us again sometime this session? Of course. Well, absolutely. I'll have my staff work with you on that. It's been a delight to talk to all of you. And again, I, it's, I just want to thank you for the kudos for it. Is It has been a challenging month. Um, and I will tell you, it meant a lot to me to see all of you say such wonderful things. I really appreciate it. I'm fine. My family's fine. Uh, if nothing else, I have come out of this saying, um, you know, the fear that we felt is not something any American should feel, that fear. And it's my job to make sure that does not happen. We are so grateful for your safety. Uh, we are so grateful to have you as our senior senator. Uh, we're grateful for your decades of service to our state, and we are especially grateful for your leadership in the HELP Committee at this very crucial time. Uh, so, Senator Patty Murray, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you so much to all of you. Thank you. And that is it for today. My thanks to Kat Pipkin, Louise Pathé, Kevin Jones, and Robin Gittleman, and a huge thanks to Helen Hare for all of her help. Links to everything we talked about can be found at indivisiblepodcast.org. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at indivisiblepod. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc., and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell, and as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.